your life is your own design. You're only here for a given amount of time. You have to be in control of the pace you set for your own life, of how far you will go each day, of the successes that you want to do uh, to accomplish or whatever you want to accomplish. You have to be in charge of that and you can't let anyone set any type of pace for you. It's, it's just insane to live that way. Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Well, hello out there, wherever in the universe you may be listening from. Welcome to the Joyride, the podcast which is a celebration of women who ride bikes. My name is Kat Caparello, and I am absolutely in love with riding a bicycle and with helping to break down barriers so that more everyday women can feel inspired and encouraged to try on riding bikes. Why? Well, because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives. I've witnessed it myself. You can read more about that at my blog, which is called Girl Eats Bike. Not only is it transformative in our personal lives, but it changes our communities and it transforms the world at large. I think the world is a better place if more women would ride bikes. Anywho, it is launch week here at the Joyride, and that means we're posting one new show every week to spin your wheels, to wet your whistle, to ring your bell, to turn your cranks, to get you rolling. Well, you get the point. After that, we'll share one new conversation every week with another gal who rides bikes in some form or fashion. Now, since it is launch week, I would love for you to subscribe, to rate the podcast in iTunes, to write a review. This would help get the joyride on the iTunes new and noteworthy list, which would help more women find the show. And, well, it would mean a bunch. It'd also be pretty sweet if you just shared the show with even one woman who you feel like should give it a listen. Either way, I'm honored for your time and for your attention, and I'm so excited for you to join me on this journey wherever it might take us. On this, the fourth episode of The Joyride, we chat with Jasmine Reese from an undisclosed location somewhere deep in the heart of Indiana about her upcoming bike tour, about breaking the mold and riding with her lovely dog, Fiji. If you want to follow along at home, you'll find the links we discuss at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride 004. I'll be back after this conversation to fill in any gaps. So what do you say? Let's get into it. So we are here today with um, with Jasmine Reese, who I've actually I've been following you on the social medias for quite a while now, and I'm so excited to to get to see you and and um, you know get to talk like face to face here. Yeah. Um, so welcome, thanks for thanks for hanging out and chatting. Thanks for having me. Right thanks on. for thinking I'm important enough to meet and talk to. Yes, oh, everybody. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's awesome. But I'm really excited about your. I'm really excited about like what you've been doing anyway. But you have a huge. You have something big that's going on. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it? Um. So I am getting ready to bicycle around the world. Oh my goodness! With my dog Fiji and a violin, like you and do, and a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> like you that I probably should not take on my bicycle, but I just can't. I like to be prepared. <laughs> you never know. Yeah. When you're going to need a dog and a violin <laughs> while you're riding your bike around the world. You never know. You just never know. Oh, it's just the coolest thing. I've got, um, I've got a dog and um, he's probably a third of Fiji's size. And I'm just like, wow, if they can do that. Why yeah, you can. Yeah, why why not? Especially with the small dog because there's the weight problem. <laughs> you know, you don't have you don't have that weight, you know. He's small but he's dense. Uh, well then that means you don't have to exercise him that much. He just stays in the trailer, that's his only job and yeah. you're good to go. <laughs> right on. Um so so when are you so we're probably not going to be um, publishing this. We won't be publishing this until after you leave because you're leaving pretty soon. Like, what? Yeah. When's your? When are you taking off? March first. March first, which is Tuesday. Like next week. One week from now. Yeah, exactly. One week. How 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 you feeling? Oh, I'm feeling great. Um, you know, I I'm gonna meet, miss people, miss my family, miss my friends, and and things like that. But at the same time, it's like. <laughs> I'm going around 
will see you guys again. And nowadays we have Skype and all these other electronic functions that keeps us connected with the people we love. So uh, I got to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so what's your what's your general route? Like, what where are you going? Um, I don't have the exact roads. You know, that's something that even on my first trek across the United States, I kind of figured out as I was going, you know, as I met people, they said this was the best road or route to take. Even now on March 1st, um, one of my hosts from warmshowers.org, which is a site for cyclists who, who are touring that they can stay with people, other cyclists, um, who will host them and give them a warm shower and stories and things like that to share. Um, so anyways, the, that, that host that I'm staying with the first night has already told me, oh yeah, so don't take this road because it's being turned into an interstate and you don't want to be on a, a road that's uh, becoming an intern, interstate. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of how I discovered where I was going the first time is just people telling me the best trails and the best roads and things like that. So I really want um, this next trek to be that way as well. I don't like to take the route that is commonly traveled. I like to take routes that are suggested and, and, and things that maybe people didn't think about or places people didn't think about going. Um, as far as general goes, I know I want to do Canada and then I want to do the United States again. Um, the last time I did the Trans America Trail, which takes you through the middle of the state or the mid states. Um, now I want to do the Atlantic coast and the Southern tier when I get to California, I would have had a good year to think about whether I want to continue and go overseas. And um, so I'll take a plane over to South Korea and I, I am definitely going to do it, but I am afraid of flying. So let's whew, power to me for getting on the plane. Let's hope. So I'll get on the plane in California and get to South Korea. Um, there's some doggy things I have to keep in mind. Uh, you know, my route's going to be affected by rules, pet import laws, because one thing I'm not going to subject Fiji to is quarantines mm. and um, other extensive rules that come with having a dog and taking a dog into another country. So um, if there's a particular country that wants her to be quarantined for, you know, longer than one day, which even one day is going to be hard for me, if there's a country that wants to do that, then I'm, I'm going to have to plan a different route. So, um, so far, based on my research, the countries that I am going to do not have quarantines. Quarantines, they just require that your dog have passport, um, up-to-date medical records, and be healthy and not aggressive. So, um, thankfully, Fiji has got all that going for her. So, once we get through with um, Asia, and I, I, because of the pet import laws, um, I can't take a route that cyclists generally take, which is going through India because India does not allow the import of pets right now. And mm -hmm. um, that might change by the time I get over there, but right now um, they do not allow that. So I am going to have to actually bicycle across Russia, which hasn't been done a lot. Um, and I've heard some interesting things about bicycling across Russia. So I'm really excited about that. It's a huge country. And you have to kind of get a visa that, that, you know, allows for that. Um, so I'm going to buy. Do you mean go, like allows for that because of the amount of time that you're going to exactly. be there? Exactly. The yeah. There's, that? there's no way you can do it in 90 days. Like, you know, cyclists usually get a 90 day visa and they bicycle a country in that time or, or less. But, uh, Russia is just not possible even for someone who is bicycling a hundred miles per day. It's just not possible. Yeah. Um, it's a very huge country. So, uh, from, from what I've been reading anyways, a lot of cyclists have suggested getting like a business visa or something like that so that you can have an extended amount of time to get across the country. And, um, and I, and there are things I plan on doing to have, uh, the business visa qualifications because I am trying to work from the road and be self-sufficient so that I can continue to travel as a, as I, you know, I mean, it's going to take a long time for me to get a, around the world because of how I'm traveling. So I need to have a, a, an economical plan to continue to do that. So after Russia, I go into Europe and, and kind of bounce around over there to try to go through as many countries as possible. Um, and then I have to kind of debate whether I'm going into Africa. I really do want to. So um, depending on the world situation at that time, I want to go through Africa. And then I will fly from uh, South Africa 
and go to Ushuaia, which is uh, the end of the world in South America. It's all the way at the bottom of that continent. And that's a kind of a staple for a lot of world cyclists. They start there and then they go up to Alaska. Oof. And that would be the final stretch. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot to, now that I'm saying it, I'm like, wow, whew, this is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, this could be, this could be like three years or something. Like This could be a lot longer. I would say three years for someone who's not toting a dog and a whole bunch of other stuff. Wow. Um, for me, who's only, you know, I have to take multiple breaks during the day. So I would say it takes me... 10 hours just to get 35 miles in because I'm stopping for Fiji. I'm stopping to make sure we have water. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into taking a dog with you. Um, and I think anybody who cycles with the dog can understand that, especially if you want the, your dog to be healthy and happy, you're not going to subject it to, you know, 80, 100 mile days. Um, you know, you want to give it time to understand what you guys are doing and, um, make sure it's fed and healthy and happy and everything else. So, yeah. And, so, and be a dog and be a dog. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and exactly. And so you have to stop and let your, you know, Fiji has to stop and make sure she chases at least one squirrel for the day. Um, she has to go jump in a lake at least once, you know, if there is one around, you know, so I have to let her be a dog and, and stop and allow for that as well. She can't sit in a trailer all day and she can't run all day. So, um, so yeah, so it'll take me probably double the time that a cyclist uh, would, you know, cycle around the world. So I, I've accounted for or estimated six years, um, and I'm hoping I can get it done in that time. But who knows what will happen on the road, what opportunities will arise where um, I need to either stop or continue. So. Oh my goodness. Courage. <laughs> Courage. Holy cow. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't know. It's not really courage. It's just a motivation to, I, I, I like to think of it, and I'm pretty sure most cyclists like to think of it as just, you're just going, you're just going on a bike ride every day in a different yeah, town, yeah. <laughs> different it's, place. It's true, but you know, I mean, you know that that's brave. I mean, and <laughs> I mean, it's brave. You have, you have to own that. Like you really do. It's not, this is not like I'm going for the weekend to the state park even, which is really brave for some people. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you got to stand in that and, and really own it. I think it's amazing. Um, it's really inspiring to, to, to do the around the world thing at all. And then to do it with, with a dog is, um, it's just super cool. Well, she's actually making me braver. Probably, you know, I don't know if I could go completely alone. I love having Fiji there with me. She's protective. She makes me laugh. You know, she's, she's, a compromise of having a human companion. She is, she is the best thing. She's innocent. She, when she does get on my nerves, it's because she's being a dog and not being a human. And, you know, she's, she's emotional, but not in the same way that a, being emotional with a human would be. So that's one of the things I like about having a dog with me and having Fiji with me in particular, because every dog is different. Every personality is different. And she just has the perfect personality for this type of travel. So that's so cool. Yeah. How, how old is she? She'll be five this year. She'll be five this year. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Gracious. Yeah. So she'll be an old woman by the time we get back. <laughs> what, a good, what a good age. Yeah. Um, it is. So, so where are, where are you now? Like, where are you taking off from? Um, I'm in Indiana. I try not to give exactly where I am for my mom. You know, she's like, oh, don't tell people where you Somewhere are. in the middle. <laughs> Somewhere in Indiana. Somewhere in Indiana. Yeah, that's, that's totally cool. Is that where you, where you grew up? No, no. I grew up in California. Uh, after I left Los Angeles to go to college in New York, I transferred to another university in Columbia, Missouri. And that's where I was when I, uh, when I bicycled across the U.S., but my mom actually drove me back to New York to do the coast to coast. You know, I didn't want to start from the middle of the country. Right. That's not going cross country. Right, right. And so, so uh, my mom was nice enough, even though she didn't want to, to drive me back to New York and have me start there. <laughs> so did you learn how to ride a bike in California? Um, I've always, but, you know, I think, I think it was more of a, before, before bicycling across the country, it was more of a, this is a toy, you mm -hmm. know, and this is something you get on to have fun and you just, you know, it's like maybe a kid thing, you know? So I didn't really think of, of riding a bicycle for, for, for transportation or anything like that. 
until maybe six months prior to leaving, I had a car and I, I had only had it. I've never been a fan of cars, not because I don't like to drive them, not because they're you know, they do, they do kind of do some horrible things to the environment, but that's not the reasons I didn't like them. I just never had a connection with the car. So I finally got a license at the ripe age of 23, which is old for some people to get a license because you usually get that 16. But anyways, I got a car and I had it for six months and I hated it. I was like, I stop at fast food places because it's so convenient and places I was walking to before that were just down the street I am now driving my car to and therefore gaining even more weight than I already have on me. I don't like this. So um, I started riding my bicycle to school uh, every day and that was about seven miles and it should totally change my perspective on, on what a bicycle is for. It's not just for kids to play and to, to get around and ride fast. And, you know, that's kind of how my brother and I rode together as children. We were riding fast and racing each other. Those are my memories of the bicycle. Um, but then at that time, it became a mode of transportation and then a mode of extensive travel when I finally got to a point in my life where I was like, I'm not happy where I am. And I'm never going to have the money to travel extensively via airplane, at least, you know, at least not immediately. And um, and so I said, whoa, wow, this bicycling thing, I'm riding seven miles and I feel good. My legs feel good. Uh, maybe can you go a little bit farther on a bicycle? Uh, so I kind of discovered discovered it in kind of a roundabout way. And yeah, I wasn't but I was not a, a cyclist, a racer or of someone who, you know, rode regularly at all or, or long distance at all. So what was that, what was the, the ping that you got when you made that connection between, you know, I can do my several, if I can do my seven mile commute, I can do that times four in a day and go around the world. Like where, where do you remember what that inspiration was for your, to do the, the trip? Um, well, I mean, more so my inspiration was I wanted to, I don't know how to explain it, but at that time I had been in school, uh, I was starting to experience some burnout. So I went to high school, of course, like everybody, most people do, and I graduated at 15. And from that age until until 23 or 24, when I started my trip, it had been nonstop. And all that time I had been denying what I truly wanted to do because I was trying to, to follow some secure path in life. So um, I really wanted to be a violinist and that's that's what I wanted to do. But instead I had spent all this money in college. I did get some scholarships, but you know, I have a lot of money to pay back for school loans and things like that. So I, I had spent, <laughs> yeah, you know, or student loans, exactly. So I, I, I got upset. I was like, I can't believe I just spent all this money doing stuff that I don't want to do. I understand that you get an education to to have a secure path in life. But at the same time, if you're going to spend all this money, you better be sure it's the road you want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be studying what you want to study and don't deny yourself that based on what people over there are telling you. You need to, if you're going to pay back all this money in student loans, you better be happy in school. So, um, I got to this point where I was not happy in school. I wasn't happy that I didn't didn't pursue what I wanted to pursue, which was violin and music school. And um, and so I kind of just suffered burnout. And and I think that was the ping. Like I needed to do something for myself that would that would re that would motivate me and re-energize me and 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 challenge me and say. Jasmine, you're capable of great things still. You're capable of pursuing your dreams. If you can do this, you can do that. And bicycling was one of those things because, and it started very small. It was a very small notion at first. I was riding to school and there was, there's this one huge hill that I had to go over to get to school. It's huge, huge. I hated it. I always walked up it and I, that was the worst part of the ride. But for some reason I kept persevering and going to school via bicycle. And one day I rode up that hill without getting off and walking and I was like, oh my gosh, I conquered the hill and, and now, you know, it feels good. Oh my gosh, this is great. And when I conquered that hill, that's when I think it clicked. I was like, I can still do stuff. I can accomplish. I can still progress as a person and 
and I'm not old. I'm not, you know, not age doesn't matter, but I'm not, I didn't, I felt like I had lost time. You know, I felt like I was, I had, uh, you know, you have to go to college between 18 and 22. And I spent those years uh, fooling around or not really fooling around, but doing something that I did not want to do. I did not want to be studying what I was studying. And I spent 18 to 22 not doing the thing I love. And so for me, it was like, why did I deny the deny myself this? And now I'm I'm older. I'm 23. I'm 24. I'm outside of that that typical age range for a bachelor's degree. And now I'm I'm starting to have these doubts about another path I want to pursue. And so I felt really kind of down about that because I'm kind of a person that that um at that time anyways that kind of lived in that box that you know by from 18 to 22 you need to be doing this and then from 22 to this you need to be doing this and then 30 to 40 this 40 to 50 this so um so I was really upset that I did not accomplish the things that I needed to accomplish within the age range that I was supposed to and that stems from starting violin at 14 I was always playing catch up and trying to uh catch up with my peers in that world and so I had a lot of a lot of uh or self-doubt when it came to age and accomplishments. And so I think when I con when I rode up that hill, I was like, you know, I'm still a person. I'm only 23 years old. Why do I feel like I'm stuck? Why do I feel like I can't make progress as a person anymore? You can still make progress. Your body can still change. You know, I'm a chubby girl now. I was a chubby girl then. But your body can still change. Your mind is doesn't stop working at a certain age. You can still be intellectual and pursue your dreams. You don't have to be a, a particular age to do that. You don't just stop at a certain age. And I think it clicked. Just that little hill, going up that hill, it finally clicked. Like, why am I stuck? Why do I feel like I've missed out on something? I'm so, you know, I'm young. And, and, uh, and even if I wasn't young, if I was older, my brain is still working. My physical, my physical body, even though it is a little chubby is, is healthy. I'm healthy and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm able-bodied and, and so why am I complaining and why am I in this rut? So that's when it clicked. And, and that's when I kind of inadvertently, I, I, I will never remember how I came across Adventure Cycling, but I came across AdventureCycling.org and I saw all these people doing amazing things on their bicycles. And I was like, uh, I just rode up that hill the other day. I can bicycle across the country. <laughs> so that's, that's what happened. <laughs> That's, that's awesome. That's such, that's such an awesome story. Cause I think it's so true, you know, and, and yeah, it might take a little bit of time and sometimes you do have to get off your, your bike and, and walk up a hill, but that doesn't mean that you're done and it doesn't mean that you can't get back on it again. Yeah. And, um, I'm curious the way that you said that it makes me wonder if the, the long, you know, relaxed kind of timeline is some sort of like a pushback against this rigid regimented go to college at 18 to 22. Uh -huh. Like, do you, do you think that maybe there's a little bit of a connection Very there? Much so. Very much so. I hate being rushed now. Uh, I, I felt like I was rushed as a child by my, you know, I rushed myself, you know, I always set these strict standards for myself, but I also rushed myself according to the standards that society sets for us. And I hate being rushed now. I cannot stand it for me. Your life is your own design. You're only here for a given amount of time. You know, you gotta, you have to be in control of the pace you set for your own life, of how far you will go each day, of the successes that you want to do, uh, to accomplish or whatever you want to accomplish. You have to be in charge of that and you can't let anyone set any type of pace for you. It's, it's just insane to live that way. And now that I've discovered that I can accomplish great things no matter how slow or how fast, I'm running away with it, you know? So if, even if it takes me 20 years, at the end of that 20 years, I'm going to still be happy that I cycled around the world as opposed to if I had never done it, you know what I mean? So it's not about other people, it's about me and about me accomplishing the things that I want to accomplish in the time frame that I have on this earth. And um and it kind of and it does work out that it does become about other people because 
uh, bicycling across the country taught me that you do rely on other people. You make human connections and you hear amazing stories when you're on the road and you learn so much about other beings on this earth that we share that we share together. So, uh, but as far as your adventure and your pace and the things that you want to do in life, you have to have control of that and you can't let people dictate that to you. Mm. So, yeah. Mm. I love that. It's like measuring yourself by someone else's yardstick, you know? Yeah. And, um, I think we're, I think we are suffering from that more than ever just with the, the glut of social media that we have available to us. Mm-hmm. Because it's just the grass is the grass is greener, exactly. Um, you know, and that's why I love seeing uh, all of this stuff. I love seeing what advent- the folks who publish to adventure cycling, um, and there are just so many great Facebook groups. I know we both belong to a few of them of uh-huh. of people who are who are really inspiring and say, you know, yeah, I've been on my bike riding around for eight years straight, and yeah. you know, and, and, you're and like- I'm not stopping. Your butt has got to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, but that's amazing, though, you know, and that's that's who I aspire to be. You know, if they're not being rushed and they're getting to where they need to go and they're having all these amazing experience, who is, experiences, who is, who, who, how dare you come and tell me <laughs> that I need to go faster or slower right. when I'm having these amazing experiences, you know, right. don't, don't do that. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I love it. It's, and I, I really do find it so inspiring. I, I love just seeing what folks are doing out there. And I think that that's the energy we need to take away from it is being inspired by, you know, what our, what our people are doing in the world and not as, it's not supposed to make you feel bad, Um, but it's supposed to be like, wow, that's really awesome. I wonder if I could do that too. And you probably can. Yeah. I think any, I think anybody can do it. I was not I was not the profile of what a cyclist should be at that time. I just left with no experience. I did have some knee problems on my first journey because I didn't uh, get the proper, proper fit for my bicycle. So my seat post was like yay high and you know, and I was extending my knees too much. So there were lots of trial and error on my first trip, but I most definitely wasn't, and I still am not actually, I don't fit the profile of a of a, a, a normal cyclist or a normal, but you know, right. of a cyclist who is usually skinny in shape. They have these really nice bicycles, you know, those, those are kind of what we think of when we see, when we hear someone is a cyclist. Right. And right. so when people see me, you know, here's this girl over 200 pounds, I don't know, <laughs> you know, and she's, you know, she's on her bicycle with the dog and everything else. They're like, what in the world? <laughs> so I, I get that a lot, but I like that. You know, I don't want I don't want to meet expectations in that way. I don't like to fit in a in a cuddly little box, you know. And I don't think anybody does. I think we like to pretend that people do, but no one really fits in a in a box. It's, you just can't be perfect like that. So everyone is capable of great things. I've met people old and young on on the road. I met an 88 year old man who was cycling in Iceland, or he was getting ready to leave to do that, and. Um, and he had already bicycled in, in other countries. And, and so you really, you can't let age or anything else kind of stop you from doing things if you truly have a passion for them. You know? And I think that that's so important um, because we do get served this image of what a cyclist is supposed to look like. Um, mm-hmm. Really slender, wearing Lycra, Lycra on like $3,000 <laughs> bikes. And uh-huh. that's what is typical and that's and I think that that does so much of a disservice to the rest of the world because it's like you're already saying well that's that's not that's not me I don't fit into that mold and um and that's one of the things you know that I love about seeing you and that's one of the things that I personally try to be like you know this is this is who I am because that's how that's how I started off as well and that's um it's just so important is not like you don't have to be at a particular place before you can start. You start where you are because exactly. it's about the journey of like who you are now and being real about honoring that. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah, you, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Exactly. It just, you, you can't look at other people and compare yourself and think that that's where you need to be to get started on something. Quite frankly, you know, that other person got to where they are based on, different things aligning and that'll always be unique to them 
and you cannot try to copy that. You have to follow your own path and things will align for you that is unique to you and your experience. So, so um, do you remember when you first learned to ride a bike? Um, I don't remember when I first learned to ride a bike. I think it just kind of happened when I was younger. You know, I, I, got, I, don't, I don't ever remember being pushed on a tricycle or anything like that. And I don't remember my mom pushing me on a bike and I'm running off into the bushes. I don't have memories like that. It just, it was a very informal thing where there was a bicycle maybe, I think it was, I think it was next door neighbors and they had a bicycle and I just got on it and, and I rode it. But that was only a very, very, uh, small amount. I was never riding a bicycle every day or I don't have any memories like that. Not as a child. So, um, what about when you, when you picked one up, when you were shunning the car, when you went to college? Do you uh, I had a Walmart bicycle, like a $60 bicycle. I don't remember the brand, but it was probably those common women's bicycle that are labeled in, in the store. Right. And, um, and that's the one that I use. And, uh, and, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And I, the tires were always really low and, <laughs> and I, I didn't know about tire pressure and, and keeping your tires, you know, f full. I didn't know how to change a tire. I didn't know any of that stuff. I just had a bicycle and I rode it. <laughs> didn't know about gears. I probably was always in way, way too low of a gear, I, but who cares? <laughs> So. I totally hear that. My first bike as an adult was a um, a boys sized mountain bike from Target. Like <laughs> I didn't even realize how much it was not the bike that I should be riding until I I guess I guess I realized it kind of quickly um, when I was out in public and I was like, this doesn't look like everybody else's. I feel kind of like a circus bear on a bicycle. <laughs> Um, so that's I, okay. That's I, okay. You were inspiring other people to say, Oh, I can ride any bike. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, it, it is ultimately about like, you got to start somewhere. You know? Exactly. Um, and whatever that, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> so I guess I'm also like, I'm also wondering about like where biking other than this epic world trip that you're planning where do you where does it fit into your to your life otherwise like have you you ride for transportation mm -hmm. all the time yeah and... so uh, when I got to, to Indiana <laughs> very close to saying the exact location when I got to Indiana I um I rode my bicycle for transportation I also uh, used a bus I was very not anti-car but I just a car's not for me and I really wanted to avoid it, you know. So when I got my first job here, um, I made sure I lived close enough to it so that I could get to it and, and I wasn't trying to set any, you know, sixty miles to get to work. No, no, not not on a bicycle or by bus. Um, so yeah, so I lived relatively in a central area where I can get to everything that I need without the use of a car. What do you consider um, so non, non touring life, but what do you consider like an every ride carry? Like, what do you, what do you bring with you when you're just riding for transportation? Um, yeah, yeah. when I'm just riding for transportation, nothing. I just water really. Yeah. That's it because, uh, because I don't really need anything and, and, and other items, your wallet and your, mm -hmm. your purse, whatever, you know, you need where, for where you're going, but it's very much so just a transportation thing. So it depends on where I'm going, uh, but usually just my person with some water. Like you have um, um, maintenance kit, like you have like spare tubes with you. No, I'm very bad about that. Still, it's, it's not bad. <laughs> just curious. <laughs> I'm st well, I am bad about that because yeah, anything could happen. You could get a flat tire, whatever the case may be. But I just don't think about that. I'm a very oh, just go kind of person, you know, and, uh, and sometimes I don't think about what I need to do. Now I have been very good about that on this trip because I I'm going to experience so many new things and, and be in so many new situations that being prepared is important for me, um, now, but on a daily basis, I'm very much so, oh, ah, Lottie, Lottie da, just go and do it, right. <laughs> you know? So I don't really think about that, but I do know how to change, change, you know, tires and things like that now. And, and it also could be that I had, 
from New York to Colorado, I did not have one flat tire on my bicycle. So if I can get, you know, 3,000 some odd miles without having a flat, I really don't think about it going five miles or three miles, you know, around town. So. Yeah, I guess like once you've kind of gone through that, it's just <laughs> the same as when, you, when you're around town. Yeah, um, exactly. So do you have, so how do you feel, um, I guess I have two different questions that I, that I want to ask you. I want to ask you about like, what's your, what's your level of comfort with mechanical stuff? Um, you said you can change a tire, but like, you're going to be out there in the world. Where, where are you at with like your, what you feel like you can handle with mechanical things? So, um, like I said, I'm very much so into interactions. You know, I think there's different types of cyclists. There's those who like to get away from people and those, those that like to be with people. And I probably fall in between. So, um, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be out there, uh, you know, kind of, I'm not an extrovert by any means, but I am an outgoing introvert. So I like to be taught on the road. I like to make in human interactions. Um, when I first went on the first trek, the only thing I really kind of knew how to do, but not by practice was to change the tube, um, or of the tire. And, uh, and that wasn't something I knew how to do by practice i just watched a video and figured oh when it happens i'll get some practice in <laughs> so um so i i didn't i hadn't actually changed a, a tube until it happened in colorado <laughs> but um but anyways uh so me i like to go out on the road and i like to learn as i go and i like for people to be the ones to teach me that and um and that's kind of what happened on the first trip it wasn't my goal that that would happen it just happened where i learned I learned things that I needed to know from all of these remarkable people that I met and, and it became a kind of a trend on the trip where I was learning things. I was meeting wonderful people and, and that's how I want this trip to be as well. Um, I was thinking about taking a, a bicycle mechanic class uh, for this trip, especially since I was going around the world. I was like, well, what if I'm in some deserted part of wherever and I get a spoke breaks or whatever the case may be? How am I going to fix it? So um, I was going to take a class, but then I was like, you know what? I can learn that on the road. My first stop with the family, uh, they're, they're bicycle mechanics. Maybe they can teach me a thing or two. And then, you know, I meet all these really cool people. I can learn from them. So I'm not going to sweat it. <laughs> That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel like, and this can be when you're talking about touring or when you're talking about um just everyday civilian life, if you would, um, when you're in transportation, like, how do you feel about, uh, riding in traffic? How do you feel about like traffic safety and your, your personal safety also? Oh, 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 it's so important. Um, I think you need to follow the rules and you need to be, you need to be respectful cars, um, respectful of drivers because, um, you know, there are, there is some animosity between cyclists and drivers. I, I, we, we see it a lot, but I think it is spurred on by wrongdoing on both sides. You know, you have drivers who are being negligent and then you do have cyclists and I've seen it a lot, not following rules. They're in the, on the other, they're in oncoming traffic. Just the other day I saw a cyclist in oncoming traffic and he thinks because he's a cyclist, he has the right of way and people need to get out of the way for him. But that's not true. You need to be a respectful share of the road. And so that's how I try to treat all of my travels. Um, usually if I'm on the road and I see that there, there's cars behind me, you know, I, I tell them to hold on a second, let me get safely to the side of the road. And then I direct traffic and I'm like, you can go ahead and go ahead of me. And I try to be respectful in that way. Um, always stop at stop signs, uh, you know, be vigilant just like you would be in a car, make sure no one's coming. There's no pedestrians. Um, make sure you're looking at all the traffic around you so that you will be safe and not get hit by a car. Um, so all of those rules apply to a cyclist just like they would a driver and being respectful is so important so that you don't have that ongoing animosity between cyclists and drivers. I, th I think you're right. And um, first of all, when I see people riding on the wrong side of the road with, with their bikes, I cringe. Like I feel like so scared for them. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's not a good idea. Yeah. It's horrible. It don't, don't do that. Like, <laughs> like, don't do that. It's bad. Um, I, I was with my, um, I was with my partner. We're in the car and, um, we're driving and there's a, a cyclist 
on going in the wrong direction with no helmet on and there's no shoulder. And I was just like, Oh no, 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 no. Um, yeah, it just, it makes me so nervous for people. Um, but I do, I think you're right. Um, following the rules of the road, because I think drivers get even more irritated when you, when they just see cyclists blowing through stop signs or blowing through red lights and, um, yeah, a little bit of goodwill I think can go a long way. Yeah. I think most cyclists or most cyclists, most drivers are, are very, uh, respectful of cyclists. They'll get over, you know, the three foot rule they'll get over when they see a cyclist. I think a lot of drivers do do that. Um, but then you have those ones that just want to, you know, pass by you, speed past you. And that's not because of you. It's because of bad experiences they've had with other cyclists who weren't following the rules. And, and they develop this, this complex or this arrogance that the road is just for drivers because cyclists and pedestrians don't know how to uh, properly use the, the road that, that these big, huge weapons, you know, are going down. Right. And, and to some respects, they are right about that. But that doesn't mean they should compromise the safety of a cyclist that they don't know based on their experiences with other, other pedestrians and cyclists. So, um so yeah, so just be respectful and, and follow the traffic rules and you're really, and use common sense. Um, don't, don't change a tire on the side of, of the road where a car could potentially, you know, lose control of their car and hit you. You know, it's common stuff like, common sense stuff like that. You know, I've seen, I've seen that happen where, where someone was changing their tire right on the shoulder of the road and you're like, oh, probably not the best idea because people... Anything can happen. A driver could, the sun could get in their eyes and they might swerve a little bit or, you know, there's, you have to take all of those situations into account for your, for your safety. And even more so for me, you know, Fiji, she loves cycling. She she loves that lifestyle, but I understand that she's a dog and she can't talk to me and she didn't choose to live that way. So it's my priority to me, be sure that she is safe. So I, I treat her like a human child in the sense that she, you know, she needs to be safe. So I make proper the proper rule or I make the proper decisions when I'm cycling to to ensure her safety and make sure she's on the outside of the, the bicycle, not facing the road when she's running and that her trailer is highly visible. And if we do have to stop, we're as far away from cars as possible, you know, so it makes total sense that you have to take extra precautions and extra consideration also because like you want her to be calm and not have anxiety or, and, and she, you want her to love these experiences and not learn to fear them. Also. Exactly. Exactly. And she was really good about that. We'd have these huge, you know, we were on highway 50 in Kansas and we had these huge semis you know, buzzing past us and Fiji wouldn't flinch at all. She just would not flinch. I, I, I expected her to be afraid because I was afraid when those semis would come past us, but she wasn't afraid at all. She was, she's so suited to that lifestyle. You know, she has her own set of issues, but they have nothing to do with bicycling, which is just so interesting to me because she becomes a completely different dog on the road. She's a lot calmer She's a lot more obedient, um, which you expect because she's running, you know, she's running a certain mileage per day. So she's getting a walk every day. She's meeting new people. She's playing with different dogs and chasing. She's just, she's allowed to be a dog more so on the road than when we're at home. Because when we're at home, usually I have responsibilities. I'd have responsibilities on the road, but I have other responsibilities that take me away from her. So I can't walk her every single day. I can't. You know, I have to go to work. I have to leave her in the house by herself. And then she suffers the separation anxiety. So on the road, she just, she just becomes a wonderful dog. <laughs> how, how much do you, how do you figure out like how much that she can run? Like what's your, what's your, whatever. How did you, how'd you do that? We're very good with communicating with each other. Um, the first leg of the other trip, she was very keyed up the first couple of weeks. So much so that I thought, she might not be able to do this because she was very, she was so anxious. She didn't know what was going on. She was like, why are we going to a new house every night in new places and seeing new things? Why is this happening? And she would bark so much. So I, the, because I was not certain of her capabilities and, and I also didn't think a dog could run that far. Um, 
I kept her in the trailer most of the day and I'd only take her out for like a one mile walk or a one mile run alongside the bicycle on the little bike leash attachment that I have. Um, so that was part of her problem. Being cooped up in a trailer all day, all that, that energy, it just wasn't working. So finally we got to a trail, um, I think it's called Schuylkill Trail in Pennsylvania. And uh, we got to that trail and um, there were no, there was no cars or anything like that. So I felt a little bit better with letting her run longer. And we got to the two mile mark and she was, she was good. We got to the three mile mark. She was still good. I was like, okay, okay. You know, I, I took, I took a break like every mile just to kind of check on her, make sure she was okay. Not overheating or anything. Right. Uh, got to the five miles, seven miles and she was still good. So I finally at seven miles, I was like, okay, well, we're going to stop here because you seem like you're just going to keep going forever if I don't stop you. So I put her back in the trailer and, um, and then she stayed in the trailer the rest of the day. And when we got to our host house for that night, Oh my gosh, she was such a completely different dog. She wasn't barking incessantly and she wasn't, I mean, she was friendly. I mean, she, she had some issues where when, when a dog is high energy and you're not burning that energy, some aggression can come through. So she had some of that during those two weeks where she was, very vocal and aggressive towards other dogs and she was very nervous of people and skittish and so that's why I kind of thought oh she might not be able to do this but once she got the exercise she was she was fine and so the next day um, we were still on that trail and I said well let's see how much further you can run so with breaks still a lot of breaks um, we did about 10 miles and and it just kind of set the standard the next day it was 15 miles with breaks and then her max is 20 miles. However, however, there was one day where we had no choice but to, to keep going and to walk. And she walked 35 miles with oh, me. Goodness yeah. And, uh, but she wasn't running. She was, uh, she was running for 20 miles. And then the rest of the 15 miles were just walking with me because my tires had popped in Colorado. Finally, uh, had done great until then. And then my tires went on me. So we were walking, uh, uh, on the side of the road with the bicycle and all this stuff for like 15 miles. And so she, she, uh, she did that, but the first 20 miles she ran. So She's just, she's a monster when it comes to running, and I'm pretty sure it has to do with her breed, which is a miniature greyhound, you know, so I wouldn't recommend that for all dogs, you know, right, not all right. dogs are capable. You really have to assess your the physical capability of your dog. Oh, yeah. This is by no means a recommendation to say, exactly. you know, your dog can run 20 miles attached yeah. to a bike. This is just what you figured out through a careful process with yeah. Fiji specifically. Exactly. Oh my Please do not do that to your dogs. And also I was very, uh, very, very vigilant or very um, aware of the fact that I needed to check her paws and, and make sure nothing was, her paws were okay. I also put a musher's secret on there, which is like a wax that protects mm. the dog's paws from the road and the other uh, things that can get into their paws. So we, when we went to a vet in Kansas, he looked at Fiji and he said, uh, this dog is so healthy or I don't know how does she run 20 miles and her paws are still great and her muscles are amazing. She's, she was healthy and amazing. So, so I, I knew to assess and be sure that I was checking with the vets to be sure that what she was doing activity wise was not hurting her in any, right. in any way, you know, a lot of, a lot of really, really attentive care there. It's yeah, um, it's, because they can't speak for themselves. And sometimes whether, you know, sometimes they're just kind of dumb and they can go as long as you'll let them. So, uh -huh. you know, there's a lot of good parenting involved there. Oh, my yeah, goodness. Yeah, that's so cool. cool. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so Thank cool. You. Ziggy doesn't even know. We're going <laughs> to. Um, Ziggy's probably capable of, of amazing things to you. Probably, I, you don't know yet. <laughs> it's true. We'll, we'll, we'll keep that one. We'll, we'll go there later, I guess. Um, so what kind of, I just have a, a few more, a few more questions for you before I let you go. Like what kind of bike do you have? Now? Um, so, so I finally through careful planning. I picked a Kona Sutra. Um, I, I liked the Kona Sutra the first time it was between the Surly long haul trucker and the Kona Sutra, which are two very popular and powerful touring bikes. And for me, it was important to make sure I had the right bike because on top of carrying a lot of weight, I also am a heavy rider. You know, I, 
I'm, I'm over 200 pounds and I wanted to have a, a frame that could handle all of the weight that I was going to be putting on this bicycle. So the two bicycles that I, I assessed were the Sterling Long Haul Trucker and the Kona Sutra. Um, it just so happened, I was kind of forced the first time into choosing the Kona Sutra because the bicycle shop that was helping me out and they were going to give me this bicycle for substantially a lot uh, less money than what it cost. Um, they only, they were uh, a Kona manufacturer. So I kind of was like, well, I gotta go with the Kona. <laughs> but it turned out to be actually an amazing bike. And when I finally did assess this time between the Surly Long Haul Trucker and the Kona Sutra, and I had to actually save up and pay for it on my own, um, the Kona Sutra was a lot more economical because it comes with racks and uh, fenders and it comes with the Brooks saddle now, which a lot of people like the Brooks saddle. Um, so it comes with all of these added perks and it's about $200 cheaper than the Surly Long Haul Trucker. Um, and then from my experience, the tires and everything else, it just rode so smoothly and it carried Fiji and I safely across the country. So so Kona Sutra is my, my bicycle of choice for long haul touring. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you if you had a local bike shop that you loved, but I, I'm, I'm hearing now you may not want to give that away too much so we can. Well, it's not local, so okay. that's good, All but right. I, I, I'm about, I have to drive a long, long way in order to get to it. So, so not me, but somebody has to usually take me there. If I'm going to the bicycle, uh, this bicycle shop, then I have to arrange a ride, get it, my bicycle all packed up and go there. So I don't mind saying that. A uh, Bluegrass Bicycle Company, Bluegrass Bicycle Company, it's an actually really cute shop. Um, it, it has all these bluegrass instruments, fiddles and basses and banjos, and they mix their bluegrass folk, you know, traditional style with this bicycle shop. So when you walk in, it's like a, a very old home, but the basement is all a bicycle shop. So when you walk in, you have this bluegrass music playing and you have all these instruments around mixed with all these bicycles and bicycle gear. It's a really fun shop and the people who run it um, are very attentive. They do professional bike fitting and everything else. And they're, they're very knowledgeable about what they do. So I, I, I do like them. That's so cool. Um, I can imagine how it might appeal to you as a musician too, to kind of be surrounded by string instruments. Yeah, exactly. When I walked in, I was like, Oh, this is, I wish I could come here all the time. That's if cool. I'm, if I'm in Russia next year or the year after next, I should just like fly just to come back to get my bicycle service. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's awesome. Um, yeah. Do you have do you have uh, any blogs or anyone you like to follow on social media um, um, that I like to follow? Yeah. There's so many, so many. But so because there's so many, there's a group that all of these people are in, and it's called Bicycle Traveling Women. That's the name of the group, Bicycle Traveling Women, and um, you have all of these wonderful women who have either solo or companion cycled around the world or in other countries. And um, just to name a few, there's Jen. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, but I'm going to butcher it and say it anyway. Soto Longo. And uh, she's, she's traveling around the world with her dog and her boyfriend. And um, I follow them just to see what, what things they're encountering with their dog. And so far, it's been going wonderfully. No border issues, no visa issues. And, and they're doing great. Um, I also like to follow... Another name I'm going to mess up, Heike, Heike Pern Gruber. <laughs> oh, goodness. Sorry, but you'll see her. She's very popular. You see her in that group. And she's been bicycling around the world for several years as well. So lots of great women in that group. Cool. Well, yeah. um, I'll, I'll get those as links and we'll link it up in the show notes. Okay. Um, also, along with, uh, along with linking it up in the show notes, are you still going to be running fundraising while you're on the road? Like, what's... <laughs> Uh, no, you know, I really, the first time I was on the road, I left with no money and everything else. So for me, trying to, fundraising was obviously concerned to make sure Fiji and I got to where we needed to be safely and that we can continue to do it. Um, this time I, I am accepting donations, but my ultimate goal, especially since I'm going to be on the road for such a long time, is to be self-sufficient. Um, so uh, for the first maybe several months, I people can go to my website um, on um, it's Fijapaw, which is F-I-J-A-P-A-W dot com, 
and then there's a support button. They can choose to donate if they want to for the first several months. But after that, hopefully I would have, um, there's several ideas I have for becoming self-sufficient, which includes my music, musical skills, you know, um, being a violinist and trying to street perform. Um, but there's also other resources out there like Wolf, um, worldwide opportunities for organic farming. Um, there's there's some workaway.org. I can name a whole bunch of them. Uh, other opportunities where I can be self-sufficient as a cyclist on the road. I just have to get out there and learn how to do it. Um, so, so yeah. So long story short, I want to be self-sufficient for the first several months. If people want to donate, they can. I greatly appreciate it. And I do pay it forward when I'm on the road. I like to volunteer and everything else and give back to the communities that I ride into. So that, that's awesome. So I'll, I'm definitely going to link up your, you know, your website here. And if, if folks want to, want to contribute, you know, keep an eye on where you and Fiji are and, yeah. and contribute to your journey. Um, you know, we'll have access to do that in the, in the show notes that we publish here. And um, so give me, so there's like kind of the, the last rounding it up here. Um, <laughs> tell me new for new riders, for someone, for a woman who is like, um, is afraid of that hill and it doesn't have to be like focused on climbing specifically, but for new riders, you know, a piece of advice you want to give to women or anything, what do you wish someone had told you or mm. pay it, pay it forward advice wise? Oh man. Hmm. Um, just don't give up. There are always bad days. There's bad days in regular life and there's bad days whether on on an adventure, whatever the case, whatever you're doing, do not make your decisions on bad days, mm. you know, um, because, because then you're, you're denying yourself wonderful opportunities. So bad days happen. It, it's just the reality of life. Do not make decisions on those days. And that's all I can say. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think that's a, I think that's a great piece of advice for life on or off the bike. Yeah, I think so too. It really, it's helped me. I, I don't, I've actually, I mean, that's just, that's from personal experience, but also just following other cyclists and other people in their normal lives. And they always say that, you know, you can't make decisions on bad days. Bad days happen. Why would you change your life based on a bad day? You know, so. <laughs> I think, I think that's, I think that that's a great place to leave it. I think that's a great place to leave it. Um, <laughs> Jasmine, thank you. Thank you so much for, um, for taking the time to chat with me today. I'm so excited. I'm so excited to, you know, keep an eye on, on your journey and continue to follow you via the social medias, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Um, good. I'm excited to follow you too. You have any plans for touring? <laughs> oh my goodness. Actually, I am, um, I'm getting married in May. Oh, so right snap. now, congratulations! Thank you. So right now, that's my that's my that's my haul. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, that probably should be your focus, or else oh you might find yourself left at the altar. <laughs> it feels it feels crazy right now. It's going to be great, but it's just one of those things where. Um, there's just so much work to do. So, uh, so I do, th there's stuff I'd like to do this summer. I'm out here in Portland, Oregon, and there are just so many wonderful places to do weekends to, uh -huh. um, you know, can't wait to do the Pacific coast highway or highway 101 rather. But right now I gotta, I gotta focus on this, like kind of short term. We're at like 90 some days and then I'll be able to like really open it up to think about other stuff. But okay. yeah, but I do have some, I do have some other things that are in the works. So I will keep, well, I will oh. keep you posted. Oh, very good. I'll be following you. I always follow you anyways on Twitter and everything on the Twitters. Oh, on the Twitters. <laughs> okay, awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks. It was great to talk to you. Bye. Well, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed our chat with Jasmine Reese. I know I did. I think she is fantastic and inspiring, and I am excited to be following along on her journey right now. Anyway, you can find the links we discussed at girleatsbike.com forward slash joyride004. And also, you know I'd love for you to subscribe, to leave the show a rating, to leave a review in iTunes, any of the above, etc., etc. Um, you know it's launch week here at the Joyride, which means we're posting a new show every day this week. 
please tune in for tomorrow's episode featuring the seasoned and feisty Seattle commuter Ella Dorband. If you or someone you know would be a good fit to be a guest on the Joyride podcast, please go to bit.ly forward slash joyride guest. That's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest. That's all lowercase, one of the few times that matters. Um, But tell me about yourself or share that link with a gal who has got a whole lot of bike love and wants to share it. Again, that's bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash joyride guest, all lowercase. The more the merrier. Remember, friends, life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Take care of yourselves and each other. Thanks for listening, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. <laughs>